Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Hi, I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Roger Price in our mini-series on operational excellence. Are we focused on the right methods? Have we educated the workforce about the why behind this? Do we have leadership alignment about what we're trying to accomplish? Do we know how this is going to deliver value to the business? Do we have a governance model that supports it? Do we have a resource model that supports the work? So they get started down the path and they realize, you know, a little of the ways in, a little of the way in that they haven't kind of fundamentally answered some very basic questions about how all this is going to work in the organization. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founders started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper, but uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all, so I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Roger, thanks for making time. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate it. So uh, you started at CEB. You've been in this operational lean, continuous improvement, depending which one of the half dozen names people want to use, world for a while. Uh, tell us about Phase 5 Group and specifically the Eon product. Sure. Yeah, happy to. And again, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, Phase 5 Group, I, I like to tell people we're a, you know, a former uh you know, consultancy that reinvented ourselves as a software solutions provider about three years ago. Um, in our previous incarnation as a, as a consultancy in the space, we were primarily helping large multi-site manufacturers to implement uh, continuous improvement programs. Um, so some of the companies we work with included DuPont. We helped them to deploy the DuPont production system to more than 200 plant sites globally, uh, Lando Lakes in the dairy industry. Um, Nova Chemicals, um, uh, Texas Petrochemicals or TPC Group, uh, and a number of others. Um, and we ran that business successfully for a number of years. Um, as we were as we were uh, doing that work and partnering with clients to help them really drive change through OpEx, we kept kind of running into the same fundamental business problem. 
and that is that these these large organizations were attempting to you know manage this broad-based deployment of these continuous improvement methods and programs that should if done well touch and engage hundreds or thousands of people in the effort and the tools that they were using to try to manage that work were frankly you know substandard so trying to keep up with the implementation of best practices and improvement projects and strategy deployment using Excel or SharePoint or PowerPoint slides, um, and just really struggling to maintain visibility and accountability for the work. Uh, and it was really that realization that led us to start down the path of developing what is today known as Eon. And Eon is, you know, simply put, it's an, it's an operational excellence management platform. Uh, it's designed to help companies to deploy their business strategy across the enterprise, so across divisions, functions, uh, geographies, you name it, and through the enterprise down to whatever their most fundamental unit of management is. If you're a manufacturer, it's a plant site. If you're a healthcare provider, it might be departments in a hospital or your outpatient clinics, or you know, if you're a retail or franchise business, it might be your stores. Um, you can deploy strategy all the way down to that level and then manage all the improvement work that takes place within the context of that strategy. Uh, that could include you know, more traditional project portfolio and lifecycle management, but the other big component of that is really the, the implementation of best practices and standard business processes. And we, th we feel like we've pioneered a feature set in the product uh, that kind of addresses that issue of best practice implementation and business process standardization in a very unique uh, and highly differentiated way. Uh, and so that's that's what we do today. Uh, we help clients to implement continuous improvement, primarily through our software platform, Eon, and, and uh, we're excited about you know the value it's provided to to those clients. Yeah, and so for you know for the listeners who aren't don't come from the operational excellence world, um, as they're maybe thinking about it or considering these kind of things, um, you know. Toyota production system was made lean, pretty famous around the world. But can you give an example of something that, um, you know, maybe somebody is interested in, I'm just going to guess here, somebody's interested in, you know, just visual metrics of what's working or what's iterating at a faster rate or not. Um, can you talk about the value of being able to, uh, being able to have that digitally through multiple locations versus just on a poster at the site? Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, it, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with the question, right? So maybe the best way for me to try to answer that is to help folks think about the implementation of a continuous improvement approach um, from two points of view. The first is, and the ultimate goal of, of taking that approach is you want to embed uh, the continuous improvement mindset uh, into the organization such that it becomes kind of a core capability, you know, that all employees are able to see waste in the workplace, see opportunities to improve, and they actually know what steps to take and what to do to address that waste or to make that improvement happen, right? That's the kind of nirvana that any organization, regardless of size, is kind of starting to drive toward if they're really serious about OPEX. And visual management is, is, is an example of that. You know, workplace discipline through the implementation of 5S, structured problem solving, leader standard work, standard work, all of these kind of practices and, and tools and concepts are ultimately about embedding CI into the organization and making it a core capability. 
what our, our kind of perspective is, if you're an organization of any size that's trying to make OpEx or CI a core capability of the organization, you've got to be very thoughtful and strategic uh, and deliberate in how you introduce those methods and concepts into the organization. So OpEx is both a core capability, but it's also, a, a, frankly, it's a business function that needs to be strategically managed in the same way that sales needs to be strategically managed or IT or recruiting or finance or whatever the case might be. Um, and a lot of, I think a lot of organizations where they struggle is they learn all these great tools and concepts and methods like visual management, 5S and these things, and they want to go drive those tools into the organization, but they haven't stepped back and said, okay, um, uh, are we focused on the right methods? Have we educated the workforce about the why behind this? Do we have leadership alignment about what we're trying to accomplish? Do we know how this is going to deliver value to the business? Do we have a governance model that supports it? Do we have a resource model that supports the work? So they get started down the path and they realize, you know, a little of the ways in, a little of the way in that they haven't you know, kind of fundamentally answered some very basic questions about how all this is going to work in the organization. And then they get caught up. Uh, you might have restarts. Uh, you might just have employees who aren't bought into the process. And then there's a feeling that, you know, we didn't succeed uh, when it comes to OPEX. And so what we try to do is help our clients to understand that if you want to achieve this nirvana of making OPEX a core capability of the organization, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be done to really kind of manage the implementation of those concepts in order to make that a reality for your business. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to break a bit of that down for, for people. You know, um, we've had a lot of tech leaders on the show, and certainly books like The Lean Startup have taken the, the tech world by storm. Um, but, you know, a concept like 5S maybe isn't something that is as embraced by that community. Or just other of our listeners who, who don't come from tech that they're unfamiliar with these terms. Can we, let, let's pick a couple of them off, maybe 5S and standard work. Let, let's start with 5S, though. Can you give people the, the kindergarten answer of what 5S is and then talk about what it looks like regularly and then talk about why having, having a, you know, a SaaS product like this to help with that implementation becomes a competitive advantage? Sure. Yeah, so 5S is based on five you know, Japanese words. Uh, and really the focus of something like 5S, of a tool like 5S, is to uh, instill uh, uh, order and discipline into the work environment. Um, you know, those, those five Japanese terms are, can be loosely translated, uh, uh, you know, in English to sort, set in order, shine, standardize, and sustain. In a, in a more traditional manufacturing context, you're applying those, those five terms to the way that the workplace is organized uh, and, and how you maintain that level and improve upon that level of organization uh, such that you know, folks can ha get access to the, the tools, parts, materials, information that they need to do their job well. So it becomes in a traditional lean context a way of eliminating waste uh, eliminating wasted motion, a wasted wasted time associated with trying to find what I need because because the work environment isn't ordered and organized properly. 
the application to a tech environment, uh, to your point, you know, it's, it's going to be a, primarily a different application than sort of a traditional manufacturing environment or even, a, you know, a hospital setting. Um, you know, in a, in a tech environment, often the, the, the underlying concept around organization um, probably would apply more virtually. So you might be looking at how do we organize uh, our data? How do we organize our content? How do we organize uh, the, the tools that we need internally within the team so that the team isn't searching through, you know, 50, 50 folders on a shared drive to find the one document they need to do their job as an example, right? Yeah. So, the, but, but the concept, the overarching concept of, you know, the, 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 the right thing in the right place at the right time so that I can get what I need when I need it in order to do my job could apply in any environment. Um, as you think about that, that concept uh, of 5S applied to any environment, um, you know, and, and I talk about being thoughtful and deliberate about how you would implement it. Um, if, you know, if you, you go into an environment, and you say, OK, we're going to clean this place up and make it look nice. And then I expect all of you to just maintain it that way going forward you'll come back six months later and the environment will be back to its previous state of disrepair. And again, this could be a virtual environment or it could be a physical environment. It doesn't really matter because behind it, there are underlying, there has to be some underlying agreement amongst the members of the team on what good looks like. Uh, there has to be a level of agreement on what, what needs to be where and, and when and why. Uh, and then there needs to be some sort of managing process to ensure that everyone on the team is is putting things where they're supposed to or or otherwise maintaining the standards as agreed by the team. So there's a lot of thought that goes into how to make this thing not just a cleanup exercise that ultimately does no good, but to make it something that's sustainable. Um, and so that it, it requires some training that requires some, you know, having some tough conversations, perhaps with some employees uh, and getting agreement amongst the team about how to do that. You know, with a with a tool like Eon, we've embedded into the product um, specific content, uh, specific assessment criteria, tools, templates, um, and uh, kind of work management components into the product that could actually help any company that says, okay, I want to implement, I want to implement basic continuous improvement, including 5S we can actually help them to do that because we're going to bring the content tools, the ideas and the workflow to actually help them to implement it properly so that it's sustainable. That's great. You know, you think about it as such a simple concept, right? And there's, there can almost be a bit of resistance of, well, listen, we're all adults here. We don't need to be told how to clean up. Right. Sure. It's, it's funny when there isn't a system, how frustrating things can get when, Something's got to happen on a time frame. All of a sudden, there's a fire to put out. You know, deadlines came up faster. And where's that, you know, where's that stuff we're looking for? I think probably most of us have had, uh, I like your example about sorting through drives, looking for the folder where that, where that one thing is, right? Right. Like most of us have had that experience in life. And, uh, and you know, thinking about the, the eight wastes, right? That definitely is wasted motion, clicking and clicking, especially with that level of anxiety sometimes, right? Um why do you think it is that uh, so many of the most helpful things, like a simple, systemized process like this, is resisted so much by adults? Yeah, wow, it's a great question. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's kind of a practical component, I think, to it, and a, you know, kind of probably a, a psychological component to it as well, right? But, um, 
whether it's 5S or whether it's, you know, visualization of performance metrics through visual management or structured problem solving, you know, over time, um, you know, human beings develop uh, patterns of behavior and kind of critical, you know, critical ways of, of thinking that work for them. Um, uh, and so when you then you, you bring everyone, you know, all adults bring their their own kind of I'll, I'll use the word baggage. It's not all bad, but they bring their own kind of baggage to the equation in terms of, again, what's worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked for them in the past, how they like to do work, how they like to interact with others, how they like to communicate to their boss. And then because every one of those people bring their own perspective, trying to get those perspectives together and aligned on the one best way to do A, B, or C, whatever that might be, always, if not done properly, is always going to pose some challenges, right? So you just have the dynamic of adults, you know, experience and a mindset to the equation. And when you're working in an organization that requires coordination among lots of different adults, they're going to have different mindsets and different points of view. And you've got to get to some sort of meeting of the mind. In other cases, there's you know probably just a lack of understanding on the value of uh, some of the, these best practices. Um, you know, again with something like 5S, I think you use the you know, you, you kind of made the joke about you know like yeah I, I don't I'm not a child I don't want to kind of just have to clean up my work area that seems silly it seems like a waste of time. In in a lot of environments, it's because they you know that we haven't made the, a clear connection between an organized work environment and you know, how that eliminates waste or how that makes me better at my job or the feeling is, you know, I, I don't think we can sustain it. Uh, and therefore, we're going to waste our time just to try to get to some better state because we'll never sustain it. Um, you know, so those those mindsets, uh, you know, come into the equation um, and, you know, it's it, it, it requires, again, some thought, uh, some engagement, some education and some interaction to make sure that um, that we can kind of overcome uh, some of those mindsets and kind of get people on the same page. You know, my, my, my underlying point of view, and I believe this should be everyone's point of view who's really focused on trying to drive a structured approach to continuous improvement, is that at the end of the day, everybody wants to win, right? Everybody wants to come in uh, and they want to feel like they're part of an organization that's succeeding, that they're contributing to that success, um, you know, that they're winning, that, that, that there's an underlying um, value to the work they do uh, that's greater than, than just their individual job, right? They want to they feel like they're contributing to a, a larger purpose. Um, and when you see organizations where large numbers of employees aren't behaving that way, it's typically because you know, we as an organization haven't engaged them properly, or maybe they've tried to improve something in the past that got shot down by their boss, or um, that there's a feeling of distrust or resentment with management, or there's something kind of underlying that uh, that needs to be addressed in order to kind of unleash the potential of the workforce. And a large part of continuous improvement has nothing to do with those tools per se. Uh, it has more to do with how do you kind of how do you how do you drive the underlying mindset required to make those tools successful? And I think a lot of organizations kind of underestimate that uh, when they when they undertake this sort of opex journey. Yeah, you know, I I do feel like that's kind of some of the magic of this way of thinking, though. Is you know, you look at at Taylorism, you know, the guy that invented the assembly line, 
you know, treat employees like cogs in a system 150 years ago or whatever. And like how great that was for productivity on some non-complex task and how terrible that is when staff these days get treated like a cog in a system when they're all doing complex work these days. And for me, like there's such magic in a system that brings standardization, that brings that that efficiency of knowing where it is when you need it, um, but but doesn't minimize the fact that everybody at work has a brain and you know that everyone on that team has that right and that ability to make suggestions about how 5S could be done better. Um, and uh, for me, I really got the exposure through the Shingo Institute, which is which is how you and I connected at the annual conference there in Atlanta. Um, so for us at Milan, we're pretty excited to be... Uh, you know, licensed to teach the Shingo classes now. And and you obviously uh, have connections too. Can you tell us about um, why you think Shingo has become as big as it's become in this world? Sure. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a couple of things. I mean, one is, um, you know, I think there there's a there's an appetite for a, a principles and kind of culture-based approach to uh, workforce management and continuous improvement. Um, uh, that there's a recognition that the 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 the, com- the best companies, you know, the the ones that are sustainably delivering a competitive advantage are the ones that have kind of tapped into the hearts and minds of the workforce and are getting real engagement and discretionary effort from the workforce. And and to do that, you know, to your point, you can't you can, you know employees have to feel like they're more than cogs and you know cogs in a wheel right or or, or just a, a piece of a machine um, um, and and you know the shingo model with its princi- principles based approach you know really really i think supports that uh, and reinforces that when you talk about you know principles like you know lead with humility and respect every individual and and you know what does it practically mean to do that behaviorally right because shingo always tries to drive to what are the key behavioral indicators so behaviorally what does it mean to respect every individual? How do you know that you're demonstrating that as, you know, cause everybody's going to say they respect every individual, but behaviorally do they actually do that? And Shingo, the Shingo model sort of re- not only reinforces the broader concept, but actually drives a kind of a behavior, you know, specific behaviors that you can point to, uh, uh, that either demonstrate the principle or, or don't demonstrate it. Right. So I think there's just a, there's a, there's a underlying, need on a part of a lot of companies to to take a principles-based approach and, and Shingo supports that. Um, uh, you know, the other thing I think people like about the Shingo model is that it's directionally correct, but, but flexible, um, meaning that you can apply the Shingo, uh, you can apply the Shingo model um, and fit it into uh, what the organization is trying to do in a lot of, in a lot of areas. Um, so it's, it's, it's prescriptive enough of a model to be valuable. It's not all, you know, it's not all, you know, um, kind of ethereal, uh, you know, ideas that practically you can't do anything with. So it's prescriptive enough to add value, but not so prescriptive that, you know, people start to feel like, well, this doesn't describe how my company's situation. Uh, and finding that right, that right level of altitude with an approach is tough. You know, because you, you have to have a model that's both prescriptive enough that folks can read it and review it and understand it and learn it and say, OK, I can apply this. 
but not so prescriptive that people start to kind of exclude themselves from the process because they say, well, you're asking me to do things that don't fit my industry or don't fit my current circumstance or whatever the case may be. And I think Shingo's done a pretty good job of that with the model that, that they've developed. Well, and I'm guessing that the Eon scorecard can help, you know, if, if somebody's back at the home office trying to see how, how the initiative's getting rolled out across multiple sites, that that scorecard's going to give somebody an indication, hey, even if that site has all the tools, looks like there might still be something missing out there. Maybe we should go hang out with those guys. Is that, is that a good guess or that, how would that work? That's it, yeah. So what we're able to do through Eon is we're able to create maturity models. Um, and the maturity models can be uh, across an unlimited number of subject matter. But let's say we had a company and we do have clients that, you know, either uh, explicitly or, or implicitly use Shingo principles. You know, they may not all be pursuing the prize, but we've got clients that have, you know, trained Shingo uh, employees and they're trying to weave the Shingo model into their approach. Um, and we're able to, to help them build a maturity journey, maturity model that incorporates Shingo such that they can get a really good sense for, you know, let's say it's a multi-site manufacturer and they've got 10 plant sites. Um, they can actually uh, assess the, the operational maturity of all 10 of those sites to identify their leaders and laggards and identify, you know, who's making the most progress on the journey, what value have they generated from that, what can we learn from that within our own organization and apply to some of the sites that may be struggling a little bit more. So it applies a level of rigor and discipline to the implementation of a, of a, of a maturity-based approach. Uh, and that can be based off of Shingo, as I said. It can be based off of uh, an internally developed model, which some of our clients have done. You know, they've built their own version of the Toyota production system. We can ac accommodate those and develop maturity models around around those. Could be Malcolm Baldridge. It could be any you know, could be any number of of, of models that they've sort of attached to. Uh, we do like Shingo quite a bit, uh, obviously. Um, uh, but we can through Eon. Can actually help them to rigorously implement those models across a large organization, which you know our clients find to be you know really exciting. That's great. Listen, I think this is a great place to cut off for for part one. Um, please check back with Roger. I, hopefully, we'll get into uh, uh, some more depth on some of these things and and hear some examples about what listeners can be thinking about for improving their own organizations. Uh, Roger, as far as people connecting with you and and learning more about the product, where's the best place for them? Sure. Yeah. Go to our website, uh, www.phase5group.com, P-H-A-S-E, the number five group.com. And you can learn more about us and, and the product. And, and obviously, if you want to connect with one of us directly, uh, you can do that through the website as well. That's great. Okay, everybody, please tune into our next episode also. We're going to cut off part one of the interview there in the interest of time. We've had feedback that people would rather have 20 to 30 minute episodes. So we're going to break the interviews in half. Please check back tomorrow for part two of the interview. And as always, come to iCollective.co for show notes. And to learn more about child rescue, go to the menu and, and look at our child rescue page and see if that's something that you'd like to get involved with. Thanks for listening. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. 
transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.